0: How are you going to feel my heartbeat if I roll over? I could care less. Just roll over. God's riches at Christ's expense. Letters and
1: Celebrating 25 years of marriage over the weekend. Or when was it? Yesterday. I guess that wasn't the weekend. It was a federal holiday, so it was kind of part of the extended weekend for us. We got out of town and uh, went to a work meeting. So it wasn't the uh, it wasn't what we visioned back way back when our 25th wedding anniversary. We'll take some great cruise somewhere. We'll do something very very special. Uh, but uh, we didn't. We spent. We got out of town at least, and we had a great time. Most importantly, yeah, marriage. It's uh, it's funny. It changes from when you first get married to where you are. You know, 25 years down the road, and marriages are comedy gold. Right? There's just never a shortage of laughter and entertainment in the pain of marriage. It's kind of like uh, when somebody, you know, when we were kids, we say we can laugh about it now. Nobody got killed. Uh, But never a shortage of comedy gold inside our marriages.
0: Nice to be here. I'm a married man. Do we have some married people here? Good. Good for you. I've been married uh, 23 years. And it's still good. It's just very, very different now. Like when I first got married, my wife said things like this. I love when you lie right next to me and we're sleeping. I can feel your heart beat. That was 22 and a half years ago. The other night she turned, she goes, can you roll over? You're breathing right on top of me. It's disgusting, it's hot, it's going on my neck and it feels gross. Who sleeps with their mouth that wide open? It's gross, shut your mouth while you're sleeping. Use your nose, we've talked about this, haven't we? Use your nose. How are you gonna feel my heartbeat if I roll over? I could care less, just roll over. I could pass away in the night you wouldn't even know about it. I'll live with myself. Roll over. <laughs> Actually, go brush your teeth and roll over.
1: You know, it's uh, we are imperfect people that are living together in close contact for long periods of time. And, you know, you and your spouse uh, know each other better than anybody else on Earth knows you, right? It's. Uh, I think that's probably the thing that I've realized over 25 years. Nobody on Earth knows me like my wife does, and uh, I don't even have to uh, give my excuses and make my defense anymore. She knows what I'm thinking before I even say it, so she can anticipate, and she knows all my answers, and I'm kind of the same way with her. I know her answer. A lot of times, we'll be riding in the car. (laughs) One person will say something. The other person doesn't even have to respond, and then because I'm also uh, half deaf, she'll say, did you hear me? Yeah, I did. I did. But then she also understands that I don't respond because she also knows the answer. So she'll say something, but she also knows what my answer is before I even say it. And uh, I think that's interesting and funny. We have uh, people that we look up to. We really celebrate uh, 25 years. It's a big deal to us. And uh, because we have people that we look up to, I look up to my grandparents. They lived a full life. And my grandpa loved my grandma more and more each day up to the very end. And so that's a, a love that that we emulate. And of course, as Christians, we have this beautiful book called the Bible that God is love, the author of love that we can imitate. So that's a lot of fun and we enjoy that. And uh, it's it's just a great thing. I, I think as I kind of reflect back on 25 years, though, you know, I, I kind of think, okay, how can especially nowadays, you know, I mean, even the fact that people even get married now is the big deal. I was going to say it's a big deal to, to make it 25 years. Uh, but I guess now to even get married to even last 25 years, it's not just getting married and lasting. It's even getting married. Most people don't even get married anymore. They just live together. And that's kind of where my wife and I, we started out. So growing up we were, well, we were what, 19, something like that. Well, we, yeah, we start our first date was on my 19th birthday. So that's easy to remember. So we had our first date on my 19th birthday and we've been together, uh, straight through all the way since, uh, she kept me, kept me. What is it like? It was like bowling with a bumpers, had to put the bumpers up. She was the bumpers in my life. And, uh, I would bounce off one bumper and roll over and bounce off the other bumper. And she would kind of keep me uh, on the lane when we were really young, because I was kind of a, a mess of a kid. She wasn't a mess of a kid, but she hung out with a mess of a kid. So I kind of made a mess of her. So the two of us ended up having a uh, a baby, very, very young. And uh, well, I mean, maybe it's very young now compared to our standard. We were 21, so that's really not that bad. And as I look back on it now, I think 21 is actually a great age to have kids you got to be young enough to be able to keep up with them. But we weren't married. We were basically just dating when she got pregnant. And I don't know how that happened, but she got pregnant at, and we had a baby at 21. And uh, I come from a home where I didn't know my biological father as a, a child growing up. So that was really the only thing I knew is like, well, I, I know this. I'm not going anywhere because I knew what that was like. And so, I mean, there was one thing I knew in my mind, I'm not going anywhere. Plus I liked her. And so we, uh, you know, I probably, if you would have asked me at the time, if she and I would get married, I probably would have said no, but I would have said that about anybody. I probably wouldn't, you know, I was 19 years old. Nobody going to tie me down. But if you, I think back to like the very first time I saw her, like I just knew like the first time I saw her, I can't explain it. It was just different. And then I started seeing her everywhere. And uh, so I was very excited to have that first date with her on our birthday. And uh, so anyways, yeah, I think as I get down the road now and have a lot of life uh, in the rearview mirror, and I just look at what it takes to uh, make marriage happen, I remember at our wedding, we had uh, the video camera was going around and they're passing the microphone and interviewing people and they're leaving little comments uh, at the wedding reception. And I just remember that as they went around and they handed the microphone to my mom, I remember my mom saying something to the effect of, look, if you just keep God in your life, everything will be just fine. And I took that to heart and I believed her. And so that has always kind of been um, just kind of an anchor for me personally. And I think for us, it was important to me that I was with a a girl of the same faith. So we both grew up Catholic and married in the Catholic Church. And one of the things that we did before um, we got married, the Catholic Church makes you go through um, kind of a pre-marriage classes, And one of the things that we did before we got married, they have you take personality tests or kind of a compatibility test. I think it is. I don't know why they do it really. I mean, what are you going to do about it? And they'll say, ah, you guys are not compatible. You shouldn't go through with this. Maybe they would say that. I don't know, but we took this personality (laughs) test and uh, it gave some data and some statistics about it. And if you lived together before you were married, it reduces your chances of success by this much. And if you had a baby together before you were married, it reduces your chances by this much. And I don't remember all the criteria, but I the number I do remember sticking out in my mind uh, is that we had, according to this test, less than a 1% chance of making it. Uh, I The reason I remember that is because that was, A, alarming to me, and B... Um, I think it it kind of scared me a little bit going into marriage. You know, you're going into marriage and here's science telling me that we have less than a 1% chance of making it. And I knew that, you know, we, I mean, we knew each other. We'd been dating a, a little bit for a few years. We kind of knew each other, but, you know, I knew people that had been together a long time that didn't make it. You know, a lot of marriages, these people get into their forties, thirties and forties and get divorced and And as kids kind of start to get a little bit older, kind of high school age and stuff, that seems to be when marriages fall apart. And, you know, it was worrying to me. So I don't know, but uh, I'm the kind of person that um, when I I want, I would say that I want to be a person, a man of my word. But uh, I just remember that about our wedding is that I wanted to be a man of my word. When I said that I will be there for you, I mean, I will be there for you. And so I think that was one thing that I carried through our our marriage is that anytime any hardship came along, um, I always fell back, not on the emotion of do I love you right now, but I came back to that covenant that we made. And I said that I will be there for you till death do us part, and I meant it. And I didn't mean that I'll be there for you when it feels good. I didn't mean that I'll be there for you just when I love you and when I feel like it, even when I cannot stand you and I'm absolutely mad at you and I want nothing to do with you, at the end of the day, I'm still going to be there for you. Now, we never went through anything really serious like that, but uh, that was kind of my mindset. And so as I kind of look back on 25 years, I kind of think of um, probably four four things that kind of hit my mind, uh, leadership purity, submission, and pulling weeds. So just touch on those very briefly here today. First of all, uh, leadership. And I think that that's something that in marriages, uh, men have absolutely given up. Not all, right? I'm not talking about all, but I'm just saying in general, in society, men have given up that leadership role in the home. There is no more important role Uh, not organization, but um, there's nothing more important in the United States of America than the family. This is probably anywhere in the world. I'm just speaking in the U.S., but there's nothing more important than the family unit. And then from the family comes the church and the community and the state and then the country, right? And so as goes the family, as goes the country. And men have given up this leadership role in the family. And uh, we have turned into a nation of adult toddlers. Men have become these toddlers that wear these big jerseys that are like oversized onesies. And their 72-ounce insulated cups have become their sippy cups. And they play video games. Grown men playing video games Instead of taking care of their families, any kind of hobby or any excuse to avoid the responsibility of learning and leading and caring for and providing for their families. It doesn't happen everywhere. I'm not saying that. I'm just speaking in general broad strokes, but there is obviously a problem in the family and it comes down to dads, to husbands. I mean, men, we are the leaders of our home, we are the CEO. Of our homes. And when it comes to our children, we used to tell our kids all the time, I'm super blessed that I have a mentor in my life, 20 years older than me. So he always has that 20 year head start out there, that experience. And he could always give me good advice. And he always told me, oh, Jason, always remember it's you and your wife first, and everything else flows from under that. So when our kids were little and they would back talk mom or something like that, you know, I remember telling my kids, look, That is my wife and nobody is going to talk to my wife that way. Not you and not anybody else is going to disrespect her in that way. So I think that is the foundation that I always started with is that it's Victoria and I, and I'm going to love and care for and protect her. And nobody is going to disrespect her, not even our children. And if I say no, your mom says no. And if your mom says no, I say no. You need to understand she and I are one. So don't go talk to her and then come try to play the other side with me. We are one and our answer is one. We are on the same page. And that's the stuff, the magic that has to happen behind the scenes. It has to be about you and your spouse and you have to be on the same page. You have to work through these issues. And then uh, from that, all everything else in the family flows from that, but You know, you see where uh, you get together, you're young, and then kids come along, and then mom's focus is the kids, and her focus shifts away from her husband a little bit, and then he gets um, uh, hungry and lonely and feeling left out, and he uh, kind of walks or eases back from this leadership role. He becomes resentful because, uh, because intimacy drops off because the kids are the focus and everybody is worn out. And tired, and I used to have this saying that only hungry lions prowl, and I used to think, you know, if wives will keep their husbands satisfied, you don't see satisfied lions out prowling for antelope. Satisfied lions stay home, and they uh, stay where they should be, and uh, that uh, so hungry lions prowl satisfied lions don't prowl. So I used to think that, and I used to think, you know, it's important that a wife uh, doesn't lose that focus. Don't become so absorbed with the children that you lose that focus and that, that intimacy with your husband, that he then becomes a hungry lion. And he goes looking for that satisfaction somewhere else goes prowling. There's probably, well, there is some truth to that, but here's where I was wrong. I was wrong in the fact that men, our purity is 100% our responsibility. So even if your wife doesn't give you the intimacy you need to satisfy you, that is not an excuse for you to let your eyes wander and your heart wander and your lusts wander. So that is a big light bulb moment that has come uh, later in my adulthood that uh, I think is wisdom that I would pass along. And then the other one is uh, submission, submitting to each other in love uh, I think that's big, you know you we get these uh these battles, these wars that rage, and there's a a war of of control and dominance in the marriage and uh, I don't know women if how you feel about it, but it is uh, from a man's perspective, I can just tell you women are hungry for a leadership role, and it becomes. It starts out with a man not doing what he should and then a woman becoming resentful. If you're not going to do it, well, darn it, then I'm going to do it. So either lead, follow, get out of the way. We're going forward. And moms are very driven, very focused, and a lot of times more responsible. I mean, my wife, all the things, all my areas that I fail, she's really good at. And so it's really easy for me to move out of the way and just let her take the steering wheel and go do all that. And the next thing you know, um, she's doing everything, and I'm glad to let her do it. And that's wrong. But that comes back to the curse in Genesis chapter 3. And this is an important verse that a lot of people don't uh, understand it, but uh, this is a really important verse as Uh, we're hearing about the earth is now cursed. Adam and Eve have sinned. And as a result of sin, the earth is now cursed. And part of the curse is the curse that falls on the woman. In Genesis chapter three, and verse 16, God says to the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply your pain and conception. In pain, you will bear children. Your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. That's the part I want to focus on the end of that. Your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. It's that there is a, a submission that happens there. Your desire will be to rule over your husband. Your desire will be to rule, not to follow the, the structure that God has in place. Your desire will be to rule over your husband, but he will rule over you. So there's just this natural battle for control within a marriage that happens from the very beginning, And then the final part would be pulling weeds, and that's just maintenance in your marriage. Just taking care of these issues. It's like a garden. Your marriage is a garden, and if it's going to bear fruit, and if it's going to be a beautiful garden, you have to do the work and spend the time pulling weeds and just taking care of the maintenance. You can't just sit back and let it go. Marriages don't run on autopilot, and a lot of it just means uh, taking the deep gulp and swallowing your pride and uh, spending the time and and saying the hard things and uh, and saying it in love and just tackling those struggles and those issues head on and just deal with them, you know? I know that this isn't comfortable. This isn't a conversation either one of us wanna have, but let's just talk about it. I mean, we it's not worth spending three days in silence, mad at each other. Let's just say it. Let's just talk through it and uh, let's just put it behind us and move on. And I think it all comes down... To Ephesians chapter 5 verses 22 through 33 talks about wives and husbands and just listen to this see what you take away from it. it says wives be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord for the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is also the head of the church he himself being the savior of the body but as the church is subject to Christ ought also to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his own life, he who loves his own wife, loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it, just as Christ also does the church, because we are members of his body. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh." This mystery is great, but I'm speaking with reference to Christ and the church. Nevertheless, each individual among you also is to love his own wife, even as himself, and the wife must see to it that she respects her husband. That is the recipe for your marriage, Ephesians chapter 5, 22 through 33. We have us submitting to Christ as the church, right? And in the same way, wives submit to your husband in the same way that you submit to Christ. Husbands, love your wife in the same way that Christ loves the church. And so we submit to, really, we're submitting to one another in love. And we are, you know, if, uh, if a man does it right, I think a man will almost look submissive uh, people will give you a hard time and say that you're submissive and call you a pushover and things like that because love submits. But that's not what this is. Men, you're not weak and submissive. You are strong, you are leading, but you are loving your wife. And you submit and you yield. Love yields most times. And there's times when, as a man, you... Don't yield, and you have to be strong. And you have to, here's the deal you have to know the way. As a Christian man, you have to know the way, you have to go the way, and you have to show the way. That is the job and that is the role of a man in a marriage. Wives, just as hard as it is for a man to love and lead and to yield and to submit in the same way it's hard to it's hard to submit it's hard to yield leadership especially in areas where your husband's uh, maybe weak but encourage him in love cheer him on build him up so that we are building up one another in our weaknesses we know what each other's strengths are we know what each other's weaknesses are play to each other's strengths uh, build up one another's weaknesses in love and it's it's mom and dad One flesh, the two of you are one, and then your kids see that and you're raising your children up in the way that they should go. And then they leave you and they go do the same with their family. That's what God's design is. They leave their mother and father and now they go and become one flesh and they're joined to another. That, if you want the answer for how to turn our country around, turn your family around. Show people Christ and that's what will save our country. It's, it's all the work of God. It, it all comes back to, is Christ Lord? It come back, comes back to the gospel. It comes back to God's grace that he loved us and he died for us. And we must love each other in that same way. That is the challenge. And 25 years behind our belt, I feel so inadequate. I feel like I am so inadequate to be the husband of this family, and to be the leader of this family. I feel so ill-equipped. I am so far from where I need to be. But that bar should always be out in front of you. It should always be just out of reach. Because as an individual, that's the Christian life. That is the process of sanctification. Sanctification, just being set aside, pursuing personal holiness, becoming more like Christ, And the bar is just always out of reach, and you're always reaching and striving to be just a little more like Christ, and a little better husband, and a little better father. That's it. That's the goal. Get in God's Word. Know the way. Go the way. Show the way. And you'll make it 25 years. You'll make it 50 years. And in Christ, we will make it through eternity. This has been Letters in Grace. God's riches at Christ's expense. Letters in Grace.